<laughs> oh, well, good. Well, um, where are we in our um, study? I, I remember telling y'all to read something, but I can't remember what it was. We're in Revelation. Up to the bowls. Okay. Uh, we were um, we were all, all, all the way to 16. Is that... Did we make it that far? Um, we, uh, I would say that hopefully, uh, you've been, been, uh, everybody's been coming. You, you, um, you know, generally what's going on in the book, right? 70th week, Israel, uh, the, the first half of the 70th week focuses on Israel and their repentance, the abomination of desolation. Antichrist enters into the temple, declares himself to be God. Israel believes. Uh, and then the second half of the tribulation is let my people go. Good? Is that? Uh, and so we're detailing that out um, uh, as we await uh, the, the return of Christ. Um, whereas the, 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 uh, the book is, is spelling out the return of Christ. Making sense? The second pass through. Okay, so so uh, look, turn to chapter eleven, right? So chapter eleven. We've talked about this some. We we could uh, read this. So, um, if I let, let me do a little quiz here before we start. If I say pre-trib, do you know what that means? Pre-trib rapture, mid-trib rapture, post-trib rapture. So so trib means. 70th week of Daniel, the, the tribulation. If I say the great tribulation, last three and a half, good. Y'all do better than our seminary students. This is good. Yeah. Um, um, the seal of the, uh, the the seven seals, the seal judgments, where did, where did they occur? First three and a half years, the seal judgments, these are poured out on Israel to bring Israel to repentance, right? Um, uh, and then uh, the second half is the bowl, or uh, not the bowl, the, uh, the trumpet judgments, which are poured out uh, on the, the nations, let my people go. Uh, we get to the end of chapter 10, and John is told he has, is to go back. Uh, you must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. And um, so chapter 11, two witnesses. Who are the two witnesses? Elijah and Moses, and they are, um, they're the ones who are declaring uh, these judgments, the, the, the what judgments on Israel? Uh, the seal judgments from the first half, right? The seal judgments, they're the ones that are uh, declaring these seal judgments, right? So let's read this. And there was uh, given to me a measuring rod, like a staff, and someone said, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship in it. And leave out the court, which is outside of the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the nations. For they will tread underfoot the holy city for 42 months. How long is 42 months? Three and a half years. So, so it's going to talk about three and a half years, or uh, it'll say it this way, uh, times a time and half a time, times two you know, times a time and half a time, half a finger, right? Three and a half, uh, or it will say 42 months, or it will uh, say it in days, right? Um, the, the same. Uh, yep, it, it all works out, all right? Three and a half years, 42 months, uh, and uh, 360, uh, yeah, 360 day years, yeah. And, uh, and you'll also get this. Uh, in uh, Daniel chapter uh, chapter twelve, right, twelve hundred and ninety days, that type of thing. Okay. Um, verse three, chapter eleven, verse. Uh, yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, turn over to. Um, how do we know that these two are Elijah? Um, and Moses. Turn back to um, Malachi. All right, so let's go back to, to the end of the Old Testament, uh, to Malachi. Um, 
Well, no, no. In Malachi chapter uh, chapter four, uh, let's pick it up in I don't know. Behold, the, uh, we just read chapter four, uh, verses one through six. That's all there is. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evil doer will be like chaff, and the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave neither the root nor the branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, um, and you will go forth uh, and skip about like calves from the stall. And you will tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances, which I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. Behold, I'm going to send to you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And he will restore the hearts, hearts of the fathers to children uh, and uh, the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and smite land with a curse right uh and so the old the, the the malachi the prophet says that elijah is coming before the great and terrible day of the lord turn to john chapter uh, one matthew mark luke john chapter one um uh, and this is the witness of john i'm in chapter one verse 19 when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him. So this is John the Baptist uh, being sent to priests and Levites from Jerusalem who asked him, who are you? And he confessed and he did not deny. He confessed saying, I'm not the Christ. And they asked them, uh, what then? Are you Elijah? Why would they ask him if he was Elijah? Because they knew the Old Testament. They knew that Elijah the prophet was coming. Uh, I am not. Are you the prophet? Who's the prophet? Moses, the greater uh, the prophet, the greater prophet than Moses. Um, no. Uh, who then? And he identifies himself as the, as the voice crying in the wilderness. Okay. So now I'll go back to Matthew. Uh, let's uh, look at, um, I don't know, Matthew chapter 17. Matthew <clears throat> chapter 16. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Six days later, right? Uh, so I'm chapter 16 uh, of Matthew, now into chapter 17, right? So chapter 16 um, is Peter's confession, Jesus' um, explanation that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, uh, he says... Uh, Verse 28, 1628, truly, truly, I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Okay. And six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John uh, uh, and John, his, uh, his brother, and brought them to the high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun, right? The sun. Um, Remember that sun with healing in his wings, right? Back from Malachi. Uh, and his garments, white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared before them, uh, appeared to him, uh, to them, uh, talking with him. And Peter answered and said, Lord, is it good for us to be here? It is good for us to be here. If you wish, we could build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, the white cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Disciples heard this, fell on their faces and were very much afraid. Right? Uh, and so the indication is for sure, Elijah will come. So I think we're pretty confident saying that one of the witnesses is Elijah. Uh, and then uh, these passages also point to <coughs> Moses. Right? So Elijah and Moses at the transfiguration before the coming of the uh, of the king and his kingdom. Does that make sense? So that's kind of how we put that uh, together and come up with two witnesses as um, 
Moses and uh, and Elijah. Okay. Um, certainly. Um, well, uh, th- that makes sense. Okay. All right. Back to uh, uh, Revelation chapter eleven. They will tread underfoot the holy city for 42 months. Verse 3. And I will grant authority to two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days, clothed in uh, sackcloth. These are two olive trees, uh, and uh, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands who stand before the Lord on the earth. And if anyone desires to harm them, fire proceeds uh, uh, out of the mouth and devours their, uh, their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone would desire to harm them in this matter, he must be killed. These have the power to shut up the sky. Uh, shut up the sky. What does that mean? Stop the rain, right? This is a judgment that comes straight out of the law. Deuteronomy 28. In order that the rain may not fall uh, and have power over the waters to turn them to blood. Okay, so uh, any prophet in the Old Testament shut up the rain? Elijah, uh, and uh, any prophet in the Old Testament, uh, power of the waters to turn them to blood? Moses. Moses. All right, so it's Elijah, Moses, to smite the earth with every plague as often as they desire. Who uh, smite the earth with the plague? Moses. Yeah, Moses. Uh, And uh, when they have finished uh, their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. And their bodies will lay dead in the city of the street of the great city, which is mystically called Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord was crucified. Okay, so what's the city? Jerusalem, where the Lord was crucified. Uh, And those from the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days and will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in a tomb. And those who dwell in the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and will send gifts to one another because these two prophets uh, tormented those who dwell uh, on the earth. You see that on the earth, um, the, the, the on the earth, the word for earth and the word for land are the same word, right? And both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. The same Hebrew word, uh, Eretz. Um, Geis in the New Testament, the same Greek word is can refer to the earth or the land. Uh, almost always in the Old Testament, when you see Eretz, it's the land of Israel. Okay? Um, Geis, the same way, the land of Israel. And so those who are, are dwelling upon the earth or in the land of Israel are sending gifts to one another uh, because of the two prophets who were tormenting uh, them. Um, they're, they're, they lay dead. And after three and a half days, verse 11, the breath of God, a breath of life from God came into them and they stood up on their feet and great fear fell upon all who were beholding them. And they heard a loud voice come from the heavens saying, come up here. And they went up into heaven on a cloud and their enemies beheld them. And in that hour, uh, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. And 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming. Right? Uh, so this is the mid-trib point. Um, there are several things that are corresponding together. We're going to find that Antichrist is going to enter into the temple, declare himself to be God. All of this is happening together. Uh, and this is when Israel repents and believes. Okay, now, what else is going on at the mid-trib point? Well, there was a great sign in heaven. Um, the woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. I'm in 12.1. Um, and uh, on her head was a crown of 12 stars. Who's the woman? Yeah, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars. This comes from Joseph's dream in uh, Genesis 37, right? Uh, it was the sun and the moon and the 11 stars because Joseph was the 12th star and they were bowing down to him, right? Uh, and so the sun and the moon, the 12 stars are, is the nation Israel. Uh, she, uh, the woman Israel was with child crying out 
being uh, in labor to give birth, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, the great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems, and a, his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour the child. And she gave birth to a son, a man, who is to rule the nations with the rod of iron. And her child was caught up uh, to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where uh, she had been prepared a place by God that she might be nourished for 1,260 days. Right? So another 1,260 days. Right? And there was war in heaven. And Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon and the dragon with the angels waged war and they were not strong enough and there was no place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon who was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. So if, if you don't know who the dragon is, now you do, right? Or the serpent of old. When does the serpent come into the story? Genesis chapter three, right? Um, there's some of the professors I've heard at the seminary teach that Genesis three, the, the serpent isn't Satan. And I'm going, um, I can help you sound out the big words here. Right. <laughs> it says pretty clearly. If you missed it at the end of the beginning of the story, you should have read it at the end of the story. Um, who deceives the whole earth and he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now salvation and power and the kingdom of our God uh, and the authority of Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, uh, who accuses them before God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even to death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath knowing that his time is short. Um, rejoice those who are in the heavens. Uh, in the story of Revelation, who's in the heavens? The saints are, yeah, the, so the, the church has been raptured, the saints are in heaven, and those who are being put to death during the time of the tribulation are joining in heaven. And there's going to be more added uh, during this last three and a half years. Um, but the end's coming, right? Everybody good? Just making sense? So, so um, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over your people will arise, and there will be a time of great suffering, such as never occurred. This, that's Daniel 12, 1. And so all of the books of the Bible, no matter where you are, they're all singing the same song, so to speak. And when you put them all together, uh, you're seeing the details uh, spelled out. Uh, and so the abomination of desolation, the, the death of the two witnesses, uh, and the casting down of Satan is all happening right at this middle tribulation point. Okay. Um, when you see the abomination of desolation, let the reader understand, flee to the wilderness, right? Run, because <laughs> he's going to kill you, right? Uh, talking to Israel. And so... This is what uh, this is all happening uh, at the same time. Good, making sense. Questions up to this point? Okay. Um, so uh, let's see here. Um, chapter. Uh, so, so we were introduced back in chapter. Uh, back in uh, chapter seven. Chapter seven, chapter seven to the one hundred forty-four thousand, right? Uh, and now, uh, chapter fourteen. Um, I looked, and behold, the Lamb standing on Mount Zion with one hundred and forty-four thousand, having a name written, um, uh, having uh, his name and the name of his father written on their foreheads. Um, and so, this one hundred forty-four thousand; these are the ones who are going to proclaim um, uh, the gospel to the nations during this, these are Jews, 12,000 from each each tribe. Um, these are Jews who are sealed. We talked about them being sealed, right? Um, um, on their foreheads and on their hands, this was the Old Testament 
you know, sealed with the spirit. Um, so these are actually these 141,000, they haven't been born yet. Well, I hope they are. That'd be nice. <laughs> that means we're close to the end. <laughs> yeah, um, we don't, uh, we don't know. No idea how that works. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I don't know how um, all of that genealogy gets sorted out. Um, God knows. God's keeping track. Even if maybe they don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a tough. Uh, Ancestry.com. Yeah, the, <laughs> Ancestry.com. Yeah, they, yeah, not bad. Yeah, maybe that's why Ancestry.com is. It, yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, so the the one hundred thirty forty four thousand. Um, this is going to take us uh, up to the uh, chapter fifteen. The bold judgments. The bold judgments are happening right before the return of Christ. This is getting horrible, right? Uh, where it, yeah, I mean, it just can't get. Seem seemingly any worse. Um, I think we talked about this last uh, last week, but just thinking through the numbers of people that are going to die during these uh, these judgments is just uh, unbelievable. Um, uh, and so uh, this takes us chapter uh, fifteen, chapter sixteen takes us again uh, through the seventieth week for the the second time, uh, and then you get the great harlot of chapter seventeen. Uh, and Babylon, uh, Babylon the Great is destroyed. Okay, now uh, Babylon. Let, let me. Um, when when does Babel begin? Babylon begin in the story? Yeah, yeah. In Genesis chapter eleven, and what happens in Genesis chapter eleven? You remember the Tower of Babel? They build the Tower of Babel, and the judgment is the confusion of the languages. And this is, uh, yeah, and the, and so. Uh, people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, right? Um, and so now Babylon uh, the Great is going to be judged. Um, Babylon, uh, Babylon the Great, Babylon the Great City is going to be judged. Uh, and, um, uh, and so, yeah, but yeah, so, so the beginning of Babel uh, is, um, is chapter, chapter 12. Um, and so the, the say again, um, yeah, the, uh, the, the current day, um, um, well, where the Babylon or Babel, the, the city Babylon, it's in current day Iraq. I don't know, but it's a, but Babylon is a, just like, you remember when, uh, Says uh, it's mystically uh, the Jerusalem, uh, mystically called Sodom and Egypt. Yeah. Um, so the Babylon, you know, it's it's it, it's Satan's home city, so to speak. It's it just runs the whole story. For any time it's really bad, uh, it's called Babylon or uh, Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. Those are the those are the two. And so uh, this uh, is destroyed. Um, there's debate on whether Babylon is actually rebuilt again uh, or not. So in other words, are we referring to a literal city or is it just a type? Um, seems it could go either way uh, in my mind. But either way, um, if it's a literal city, it's not just the literal city that is destroyed. It is the whole Babylon type. Is destroyed uh, before the return of Christ, right? Um, and so that takes us up to chapter seventeen, chapter eighteen, uh, then to chapter nineteen, and the return of Christ. Um, now, most of the prophets, most of the language that you get in the prophets, I, I was uh, uh, telling our students this last week. Uh, I think generally our um, our seminary students, and probably in the church, the, the places that we know the least about in the Bible are the prophets. Um, you might know a few um, verses that come out of the prophets because they relate to Jesus, uh, but the prophets are a pretty big blank in our 
Bible understanding. Is that fair? Right. Um, the reason why is it's hard to read the prophets and make them about yourself. Right. Uh, I, I found a um, another. Um, let me see if I favorite. Uh, I, I saw this. Um, this I added this to my list of. Uh, <laughs> We tend to make the Bible about ourselves. And if we can't get in there and find a, a way to make it about ourselves, then we just ignore it. Um, but most of what the prophets are talking about, not all, but, but there are three themes that run throughout all the prophets. The first is obviously the coming of the Christ, right? Um, probably not even in this order. By content, definitely not in this order. The, the most, most of the content if we go by content, most of the content of the prophets talks about the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. Israel being restored back to the land when the king comes, right? Uh, and so the restoration of Israel, um, the, uh, then the, the judgment upon the nations, huge part of the, of the um, prophets, and the king who executes all the judgment, right? And when we read about the king, um, that executes this judgment. It doesn't sound like the Jesus that we're familiar with. Um, so uh, let's let's read. Let me show you some passages where um, where uh, John is putting some things together. Turn turn to Revelation nineteen. Um, notice that the marriage of the Lamb happens at the end of the 70th week, right? Did you notice that? Uh, Rejoice and give glory to God, uh, to him, verse 7, uh, 19, 7. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Um, his bride has made herself ready. Um, Israel has repented. This is at the end of the 70th week. Um, and... Um, and so the bride has made herself ready. Uh, and it was given to her to clothe herself in fine uh, linen, bright and clean. For the fine uh, linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Man, that was loud. He was driving on us. Yeah, driving in. I'm like... Yes, Lord, speak. <laughs> um, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Um, do I want to do this? Uh, okay, so so time out. Um, let me tie some things in to you um, from the Gospels, right? So 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 the Gospel of Luke. Turn to the Gospel of Luke, right? Um, this was a this is a detour, but that's okay. I want to fold some things in here so that when you're reading the Gospels, you see what's uh, what's going on. So in uh, Luke uh, chapter, um, oh, let's see, Luke chapter fourteen. Um, now Jesus at this point uh, is spending uh, all the time all his time with the Jews, right? Um, it came about, chapter 14, that he, Jesus, went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread, right? And they were watching him closely. And there was there in front of him a certain man suffering from dropsy, dropsy, um, uh, slack hands is what it's, uh, what it's uh, how it reads. Um, this is a judgment upon Israel. Um, they're left blind. They're left lame. They're left deaf. Uh, deaf, uh, their hands don't work, lest they uh, repent, return, and he heal them. Okay, uh, and so this one is suffering the judgments foretold in the Old Testament. And Jesus, uh, there was a man suffering, and Jesus answered and spoke to the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, "Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not?" And they kept silent. And so he took hold of him and healed him and sent him away. Right. Um, and so. Uh, so he began speaking this parable to the invited guests. First, uh, you know, so, so he tells them, you don't care about this one, but you do care about your ox and your donkey, right? 
And then verse 7, he continues, and he began speaking this parable to the invited guests when he noticed how they were picking out their places of honor at the table. He said, when you're invited to a wedding feast. Hmm. Any wedding feasts in this story? Yeah. Uh, who's been invited to the wedding feast? Israel's been invited to the wedding feast. So this little wedding feast is representative of the wedding feast. So he's not just te teaching about invitation to a wedding feast during this day. He's teaching about the invitation to the wedding feast at the last day. Right? Do not take the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you uh, uh, may be in, uh, have, have been invited by him. Uh, and uh, he who invited uh, both of you shall come and say to you, give your place to this man. Uh, then in disgrace, you will proceed to the last place. But when you're invited, uh, go in and recline in the last place so that when uh, the one who has invited you comes, he says, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in sight of all um, who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. That verse actually shows up repeatedly throughout the book of Luke. Uh, shows up uh, here, shows up in uh, 152, shows up in uh, 18. I think it's verse 11, verse uh, 14, 18, 14. Uh, and uh, then he went on to say, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they invite you in return and repayment has come to you. But when you receive, uh, give a reception, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. Now, these were the ones who were judged and were kicked out of the land in Isaiah, and they were left in the, the diaspora, uh, poor and crippled and lame and blind. And you will be blessed, uh, for they don't have means to repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So again, we're, we're back to the end. Uh, and when one of those who were at the, reclining at the table said, blessed is everyone who eats bread in the kingdom of God. And he said to him, a certain man was giving a big dinner. And he invited many. Now, um, Jesus never just tells stories, right? Who's the certain man and what's the big dinner? God's the certain man and the big dinner is the wedding feast at the end, right? And the dinner hour, at the dinner hour, he sent out his slaves to come to those who had been invited saying, come, everything is ready now. Who's the slave? The servant, yeah the suffering servant who goes to restore the servant. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I have bought a piece of land and I have not. Uh, I need to go look at it. Consider me excused. And the second one, I bought five oxen. I'm going to try them out. Consider me excused. And another, I have married a wife and for this reason I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to the slave, Go at once into the streets and into the lanes and bring in here, there they are again, the poor, the crippled, and the blind and the lame. See, this is who they were supposed to invite. They didn't invite. So because they rejected the invitation, now they're being brought in. And the master said to the slave, uh, and the, master, the slave said to the master, everything you've commanded, we've done, and there's still room. And so the master said to the slave, go into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house might be fulfilled. For I tell you that none of these men who are invited shall taste of my dinner. Now the great multitude were going along with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not deny or hate his mother and father and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, what's going on here? Um, the Pharisees, are invite. who are the Pharisees inviting? Uh, Jesus says, don't invite your friends and your brothers and your relatives and your rich neighbors, right? You invite the outcast, the poor, the lame, the blind, the crippled, right? Um, so you've got to deny your association with, you know, the, the rich Jew, right? Is this making sense? You're tracking? He's not, he's not saying you have to hate your mother and father. He's saying you don't, you don't value, you can't value what you value which is your Jewish heritage, right? Um, and your blessing in the Lord. 
you go and you identify with the, the lame, the hopeless, the blind in your midst. Yes. Good. So, um, so the um, what we're what we're taught, what we're, what has been traditionally taught, I think, in the church, and and this comes from um, this uh, theology that says the church has replaced Israel, right? In the Old Testament, who's the bride? Israel's the bride. Uh, and who's anticipating uh, the marriage? Actually, it's the remarriage, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's the remarriage. They're, they're kicked out of the land. They're given a writ of divorce, and now they're being restored uh, to, uh, to the land. Um, and, uh, and so... Uh, this this remarriage is Israel, right? Now, um, because of Israel's rejection, the gospel has gone out to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles have been grafted in. Grafted into what? The, the promises, yeah, the, the promises of blessing to Israel. And so, the, so this is what uh, Ephesians is doing. The both have been put in one body, okay? Now, so in other words, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, Israel is looking for their Christ, who is their bridegroom. Yes, a bride, bridegroom. And now through faith, we have been grafted in to the bride. Okay? One bridegroom. Here's the bride. Now. Uh, the both in one body, Christ is the head, right? Jews and Gentiles in one body, Christ is the head. Now, uh, the promise was made to Israel, correct? Uh, if Israel has not yet repented, has the bride made herself ready? Not completely, right? And so this is what's going on. The bride has made herself ready, and now we're ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, who was invited? Israel was invited. What they do with the invitation? They reject it. And so now the invitation goes out to the lame and the blind. Now, who are they? No, that's still Israel. Right? Uh, this is, so So the Pharisees, see, all the way through the story here, um, the Pharisees uh, view themselves as the righteous people of God. And, and, and there's two groups in the book of, uh, of Luke. There's the Pharisees, and there's the outcasts, the tax gatherers, the sinners. Now, the sinners, the tax gatherers, the outcasts, those are who are blind and lame and deaf, uh, they're all Jews, right? But the Pharisee views them as cursed, right? They reject the invitation, so now the invitation goes to them, and they receive it, and they repent. This is what's happening, right? Uh, the tax gatherers and the sinners are coming near to Jesus to listen to him, right? And so uh, the invitation is given to the Jews, the Pharisees. They reject it. So it goes to the, the lame and the blind, right? And, and they're still, and all the lame and the blind here are in Jerusalem. And then there's still room. And so now it's going into the highways and byways, going to the diaspora, right? Um, you're going out into the nations to bring the Jews in, okay? So remember, this is Luke and Acts, the story of Luke and Acts. Now, what continues in the book of Acts? Well. Uh, so Jesus is, uh, tells his disciples, uh, go, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Jesus, Mary, to the most parts of the earth, right? And so they're going out, and everywhere they go, uh, they are preaching to the Jews. They're preaching to the Jews. Why? Because this is what they were told to do, right? Scattered among the nations. Okay, so this is how the story is playing out, right? So, um, and so now we, we keep watching the story. Uh, and you get over there to Acts chapter nine, and uh, you know Peter's are down there in Joppa, and he heals uh, Tabitha, uh, and these guys show up from uh, he's at Simon the Tanner's house, a Jew, and these Gentiles show up and uh, say, "Hey, um, you're supposed to come with us." And this is when he sees the vision of the sheets coming down. Remember this? We've talked about this, right? 
So he goes with him because the Lord has told him that he's not regard, to regard uh, anything as unclean that the Lord has cleansed. Doesn't know quite what that means, but he's going to figure it out. He goes, and now the Gentiles have believed the gospel. And so now he realizes that God's plan, he should have realized this before. Um, this is one of the things that happens in, in the Gospels, is that the reader gets to walk with the disciples as the disciples figured out what they should have already known from the Old Testament. When you run into Paul, Paul's like, um, where you guys been? Catch up. You know, do you not know? <laughs> so, so in Galatians, Paul says, I went up there to see those disciples, and I wasn't going to make sure that I had been running well, but I went to make sure that they knew what they're talking about. You know, uh, it wasn't for me; it was for them. Right? But this is how the story goes, right? Uh, and so now, the gospel is going to the Gentiles as well. And so now, the invitation has been extended to the Gentiles. Now, what has happened because of our uh, our replacement theology in church history is we think the church has replaced Israel. Therefore, we are the bride of Christ. Well, no, we are part of the bride of Christ. We are members of one body, the body of Christ, made up of Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles. In the Old Testament, Jews. New Testament, Jews and Gentiles. Right? But God's promises were to Israel, which is why the marriage doesn't take place after the rapture. It takes place after the bride has made herself ready, made herself complete. Israel has believed, right? And so Jews and Gentiles in one body. Now, where's this thing headed? Uh, this story is headed. There's going to be kings in the new heavens and new earth, and there are nations. And all are believers. Right, so this is where the story's headed. But even after the millennium, the, the, the new heavens and the world. Yeah. So the the the, um, the the in the gospels, particularly in Luke, there's a lot of this wedding banquet imagery. Okay, uh, in the Gospel of John, remember the, any wedding stories in John? The first miracle that Jesus does. He goes to a Jewish wedding, uh, and they have run out of wine. And Mary, Jesus' mother, comes to him and says, they have no wine. Do you remember what he says? It is not yet my time. Time for what? Uh, well, in the, all throughout the prophets, um, repentance precedes the kingdom. Uh, they are to be sprinkled with water and made clean before... They enter into the kingdom. They have to repent so that they can get into the kingdom, right? So the kingdom uh, was, um, there, there were two things. It was the, uh, the olive trees. The, the hills will flow with oil. It's, the oil, it's not crude oil. It's <laughs> olive oil. Uh, and uh, and the, new, the new wine, right? Uh, so do not harm the olive trees. Do not harm the vine, right? And so this is coming through that, the whole Old Testament. Tracking, um, and so um, so Jesus tells them to to fill the water pots, which were there for purification. Did you catch that? Water pots for purification, because there's no purification, there's no wine in the kingdom, right? And so turns the water for purification into the wine of the kingdom as the first sign that He is the one who is able to deliver the kingdom to Israel. Does that make sense? It's a, it's a sign. The Jews, I think the Jews understood what was going on. Gentiles, we read it and we're going, man, he would have been a great bartender. Yeah. <laughs> what a deal. He can turn water into wine. It's cheap stuff. Um, no, uh, yeah, and, and so, so the, the, um, the Gospels are written to the Jews so that the Jews would recognize Jesus as the Christ. That, that's why when we read the Gospel of John, you don't know what's going on. Oh, he turned water into wine. That's great. Oh, he can walk on the water. Oh, that's great. That's neat. He's sovereign over... No, no. All of these were signs straight out of the Old Testament, which were indications that he is the one who is able to fulfill that which was foretold in the Old Testament. But if you don't know how that attaches to the Old Testament, 
then then you don't know, right? So um, so the, the there's several things going on here. All this wine imagery, all of this wedding imagery is all coming out of the prophets, um, and it's all uh, promised to Israel, but the Gentiles are included into it through faith, right? Um, so in the prophets, you get uh, you get the restoration of the kingdom, you get the judgment upon the nations, and you get the king. But the promise, the, the the presentation of the king, overwhelmingly, is the king that comes with wrath, who wipes out everyone who opposes him. And this is what was looked for from the very beginning. He will possess the gate of his enemies. Right? I will put enmity between you and the woman, your seed and her seed. Um, um, that's maybe why the Jews didn't recognize him as the servant. He has given all things, put all things in subjection under his, all things. Uh, the, the text doesn't say all things, it says all. He has put tapanta, the all, in subjection under his feet. But we do not now see all in subjection under his feet. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. But you will. And so the presentation in the, the prophets is... Christ putting all in subject under his, subject under his feet, right? Um, back to chapter 19. Um, I think, yeah, they can see me. They just couldn't see this, that large little thing. Okay, so, chapter, so back to chapter 19, right? So the marriage supper of the Lamb, uh, it, everything is ready. Uh, and now comes... The return of Christ. Um, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Verse uh, 9. And he said to me, these words are true of God. I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, do not do that, for I am a fellow servant of yours and, your, uh, and of your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of God is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw the heavens open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat upon it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head many diadems, or many crowns. And he has a name written upon himself, which no one knows except himself. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Robe dipped in blood. Uh, that is Isaiah 63. Turn back to Isaiah 63. Uh, and as Katie was saying, you'll, you'll start to see, um, um, I, I remind my students all the time that, that we need a complete picture of Christ. Uh, in the church, we tend to view Jesus as the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. Uh, and, um, and that's not... That's just part of the picture, right? Uh, the most common picture of the Christ is something like this. Look at Isaiah 63. Um, who is this who comes from Edom with garments of uh, glowing colors from Basra? Glowing colors. Uh, does anybody have a different translation there? Dark garments stained, stained crimson. It's not just any old glowing colors. It's, it's red. Uh, blood red. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you want this to be Aggie Maroon. Got Aggie Maroon dripping from him. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, uh, one majestic in his apparel. In other words, here's this one coming with a king's robe drenched in blood. Marching in the greatness of his strength. So the question, who is this who comes from Edom, drenched in blood, wearing king's attire? It is I, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red? In your garments, like the one who treads the winepress. I have trodden the wine trough alone, and from the peoples there was no man with me. So I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath and their lifeblood is sprinkled on my garments, and I stained all my raiment. For my day, the day of vengeance was in my heart. My year of redemption has come. And I looked, and there was no one to help. And I was astonished, and there was no one to uphold. So my own right arm brought salvation to me, 
and I trod them, uh, trod down the peoples in my anger and made them drunk in my wrath, and I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. Um, this is uh, the much more common picture of the return of Christ. Um, that's just one verse. Go back to chapter uh, 19. Eyes a flame of fire, upon his head many diadems, name written upon himself, robe dipped in blood. The armies uh, which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. Turn to Psalm 119, uh, I'm sorry, 149, Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And his praise in the congregation of the godly ones. Let all Israel be glad in his maker and let the sons of Zion rejoice in their king. Let their praise, uh, let them praise his name with dancing and sing praises to him with the timbrel and the lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people and he will beautify the afflicted ones with salvation. Let the godly ones exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds and let the praise of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and the punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment that is written. For this is an honor for all of his godly ones, praise the Lord. Um, do you remember when uh, they come to arrest Jesus in John 18? Who do you seek? Jesus the Nazarene, I am. And then Peter jumps up with a sword and he says, you know, hey, Jesus, you get all those. I got this one, right? And I think uh, is, um, it has become in vogue in Protestant churches to Marginalize, marginalize Peter and make him look like a fool because we're not Catholic, right? So Peter's an idiot, doesn't know what he's doing. No, he knows what he's doing. Uh, he's joining in on the, the execution that he thinks it's time. The problem is it's not yet time. So it's the correct response, the wrong timing, right? He's got the wrong timing. But here come the armies which are in heaven coming with Jesus to execute the judgment that is written. And uh, from his mouth comes a sharp sword that he might smite the nations and rule them with a rod of iron. That's Psalm 2. For the wrath of God the Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh was written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in midheaven, Come, and assemble for the great supper of the God in order that you might eat the flesh of kings and of the commanders and of the mighty men and the flesh of the horses and those who sit upon them. Um, why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain things? The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his Christ. This is Psalm 2, right? Kings and the rulers saying, you're not the boss of us. It's not happening today, right? Uh, yeah, you're going to see them. They're going to show back up in the story, and it's not going to go well for them, right? In order you may eat the flesh of kings and of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of the horses and those who sit upon them, all the flesh of men, free and slaves, great and small. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized. And with him, the false prophet who performed the signs in, the, uh, in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who had worshipped his image. And the two of them were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword, which comes from the mouth of him who sat upon the horse and all of the birds were filled with their flesh. Is it any wonder that the Jews thought that the coming Messiah was going to come and judge the nations. 
this is, I mean, it's every single prophet. The Christ comes and judges the nations, right? But what they missed was the suffering servant, the rejection of Israel, the gospel going to the nations, and then the end will come. Um, so when John sees the resurrected Christ, what was his response? Like a dead man, in fear. In fear. Why? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, so when the Bible says fear the Lord, uh, the, the literal translation of that is fear the Lord. <laughs> it's not reverence. It's not, you know, it's, it's fear. Hit the dirt. And then the king says, have no fear. But until he says that, you better be fearful. <laughs> right? Um, th is this making sense? Right? So, so, so this is the, the presentation of the coming king. Mighty to save. Mighty to save. Um, so he comes, chapter 19. Uh, he saves, he delivers Israel, delivers them into the kingdom. This is what the disciples were looking for the whole time. You remember back in Acts chapter 1, uh, they asked Jesus, the disciples, that uh, Christ has been uh, crucified, resurrected. Now they see that. And so they ask Jesus this question. Listen to the question. And listen to the, the assumption uh, that goes with the question. Lord, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Now, how does he restore the kingdom to Israel? If it's at this time, how does he restore the kingdom to Israel? He wipes out the nations. Is it at this time? It is not for you to know. Yes. Isaiah 53, suffering servant. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so we call this, the, these are the servant songs, S-O-N-G-S, servant songs. Uh, and there are, uh, if you go back to Isaiah, these, these are predominantly in Isaiah. You get indication of it in other places, but, uh, but mostly in, uh, in Isaiah. Um, and, and so uh, let's see here. So, so there are several. Uh, you get, um, well, the first one uh, is in uh, a chapter, of, um, I would say, the comfort, comfort my people, Israel, right? Uh, chapter 42, uh, verses 1 through 9. Behold, my servant, upon whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will uh, not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands will be expect uh, wait expectantly for his law. Uh, for thus says the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out and spread out the earth uh, in its uh, in its offspring, who gives breath to the people uh, on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I uh, will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. I have appointed you as a covenant to the peoples, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, uh, to those who dwell in darkness from prison. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another, right? So this is a servant song. This is the first of the servant songs talking about Christ and his deliverance of Israel. Uh, the second is, and I, not much, a little. So you get the, uh, the bruised reed, he will not break, that type of thing. It's going to be uh, quoted. Uh, Isaiah 49, 1 through 13. Isaiah 49, 1 through 13. Thank you. 
Uh, it's not forbidden. They just view it. Uh, they think that they think that Israel is the servant, not Christ is the servant. Yeah. So Isaiah forty nine. Listen to me, O nations, or O, uh, o islands. Pay attention, you peoples from afar. For the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named me. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. There's a sharp sword. Isaiah eleven, Revelation uh, nineteen. In the shadow of his hand, he has concealed me. He has made me his select arrow. He has hid me in his quiver, and he said to me, you are my servant Israel, in whom I will show my glory. But I said, this is the Christ responding, I have toiled in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing, for vanity. Surely justice is due to me with the Lord. My reward is with my God. And now says the Lord, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Israel back to him in order that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. He said, is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise the tribes of Jacob, to restore the preserved ones of Israel? I will make you a light to the nations so that my salvation shall go to the ends of the earth. Thus says the Lord, O Redeemer of Israel, his Holy One, to the despised one, to the abhorred one by the nations, to the servants and rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes shall bow down, because the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, has chosen, uh, chosen you, and so forth. Second passage. So this is Isaiah chapter 49. Again, not a whole lot of information there, just a little bit, right? Uh, then Isaiah chapter 50. The Lord has given me the tongue of disciples. Isaiah 50 verse 4 that I may sustain the weary one with the word. He wakens me by the morning. He wakens me to ear, uh, to, to uh, my ear to listen to the disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn my back. I gave my back to those who strike me, my cheeks to those who pluck out my beard. I did not cover my face uh, from humiliation and spitting. This is Christ's crucifixion. Uh, for the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who has a case against me? Let him draw near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who is he who condemns me? Behold, they all wear out like a garment, like moth. Uh, they will be eaten. Who among you that fears the Lord, obeys his voice, the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with firebrands, walk in the light of your fire, and so forth. Right? A little there. Right? So there's a little bit of the uh, uh, turn my back to those who struck me in the beard. Um, Isaiah 53 uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 52, verse uh, 13. This is the one you know. Behold, my servant will prosper, 52, 13. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, so his appearance is marred more than any man, the form uh, more than the sons of men. Uh, thus he will sprinkle many nations. The, that word there is debated on whether it's sprinkle or startle, but nonetheless. Um, Kings will shut their mouths on account of him. For what uh, had not been told of them, they will see. And what they had not heard, they will understand. For who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up uh, before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. He had no stately form, nor majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that he, we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, uh, face uh, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. For surely our griefs he himself bore, our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him as stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourgings we are healed, for all of us like sheep have gone astray. And each of us have turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of all of us to fall upon him. And it uh, continues. This is the one you know. Um, right? So this is the suffering servant of Israel who lays down his life for Israel. Um, 
the last one is 61, 1 through 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to you know, preach the gospel to the afflicted in that. Uh, so there's not there's not a lot. Yeah, you've got to know the story to know that, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world was the one who was looked for from the beginning, right? Uh, Who will rule the nations? And so you've got to have both to have an accurate picture of Christ. I feel like for the most part, the church doesn't have a very accurate view of Christ because the overwhelming majority of the presentation of Christ is the conquering king. Who laid down his life for sin? So we've got an imbalance one way. The Jews are anticipating something else. They didn't see the suffering servant, but they will look upon him whom they pierced and they will repent. What did you say that The current day Jew views Israel as the servant. And so so uh, the problem with that, of course, is the servant can't lay down his life for it, the servant himself. Right? And so the servant Christ lays down his life for the servant Israel to, reserve, to restore the servant Israel. He'll get it. Um, uh, but, um, but I think they read the, uh, the scriptures pretty plainly. Or at least they have in the past. Uh, and uh, so I think we're missing some stuff, right? So the return of Christ is, it's a bloodbath, as foretold throughout the whole story. The wrath of God. You don't want to be anywhere around that deal, right? Anywhere around it. Let me pray for us. We're done. Lord, thanks for our time today, for your mercy uh, that has uh, been shown to us through, uh, through your son who laid down his life. Uh, for all who would believe, and so we thank you for that. And Lord, pray that uh, we would continue to be faithful, make us humble, uh, remind us that we're part of the body of Christ, help us to live together in unity in Christ. That's our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.